On this week's episode of the High Impact Men podcast, we have Dan Rick. Uh, his call sign now is ICE. He works in the Pentagon uh, on the OPNAV staff as brand, uh, with, for the branch head of Naval Aviation Man- Manpower Requirements and Programming. Dan is a 26-year retired Navy captain who was a pilot who logged over 3,000 hours in the P-3C aircraft. He commanded multiple squadrons, and he did uh, participate in Desert Storm, Desert Shield. And he talks to us about his time in the military and what he's doing now in the Pentagon and what the culture's like there. But he's also a man who's on fire for the Lord and for men's ministry. And the, the Lord has called him to this years ago, and it's just it's his territory is expanding, as he describes, now doing something called the farm, his old farm that he bought back that he used to work on when he was a kid, and he's renovated it, and now men go there uh, for weekends at a time to camp out and pray for each other and study together, and the guys are being really impacted by this. So here's a guy who served his country, 26-year Navy veteran, retired as a captain, uh, about to retire full-time, as he tells us, in a couple years uh, because he wants to devote full-time uh, to men's ministry to follow the leading of the Lord. So let's sit back and listen to Dan Rick's story. Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High Impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope. Gosh, seek transformational relationships. Now, what you're hearing from the culture is not right. Pick up the six, you know what I mean? But you never know who your six sometimes is. Stop being less help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. Well, here we go with another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in, tuning in, all of you out there. And again, a happy uh, new year. We're still in January. And uh, this episode, although we're recording it on the 18th, should drop on the 22nd. So not too far from here. And yes, I'm in mourning because <laughs> my eagles went down and they went down hard. Uh, but uh, it was predictable after what we saw over the last five to six weeks. And dial-up Steelers are out of the playoffs now. So. We at least put up a fight. You did. You, you put know, up a fight. Yeah. The interception <laughs> in the end zone was a was a huge uh, part of that game. Man, have they have they have they scored that touchdown? Uh, I think it could have been a different game. Took if a, if, took away if a lot of momentum. Yeah. If 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 the Eagles knew how to block and tackle and throw and catch and run, <laughs> the Eagles <laughs> man, they better. looked they looked bad. Uh, yeah. But well, the only good, the only saving grace we have is that the Cowboys lost and they lost bad. Yeah. Now we hate the Cowboys, so this is a good thing for us. But my two, the two teams I root for are out of the playoffs: the Eagles and whoever plays Dallas. Yeah. So um, anyway, we and got it, that and going for us. And, and the Cowboys loss is bringing us a fun event. It is on Saturday. Want to tell everybody about it? Yeah, I can tell everybody about it. So uh, Beach Ball, who he he was on the podcast a little while ago. He's our guy that uh, taught in Alaska and coached basketball up there uh, back episode something. And he, he's a huge Cowboys fan. Yep. And uh, I've got another guy, Half Door, who's a Green Bay fan. And, of course, the trash talk started early in the week. And uh, Beach Ball was pretty pretty uh, confident in he his was, uh, yeah. Cowboys. And, yeah. and Half Door hasn't posted much lately, uh, nope. very very little. And so Beach Ball threw the gauntlet down and said, listen, dude, if uh, – if, Losing, losing guy, losing teams, uh, losing guys' team. Uh, they have to post uh, X number of times. I forget how many you said. Ten, maybe. Yeah, but I think I don't know if they kept to that or they kept. But then to it the, came down to whoever yeah. wh- whoever loses has to post to the next beatdown wearing a uh, bra, a woman's bra. Yeah, so no shirt, wearing a women's shirtless bra. with a bra. On. So, 
Uh, and just so everybody knows, here in uh, the land of the ice and snow, it was nine degrees yesterday morning for yeah, the beatdown. It was frigid. Yeah, so that'll be interesting uh, to see Beach Ball out there with uh, nipples could cut glass. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, so uh, we're, we're we're messaging all of our friends. We're eh'ing like crazy because we want to have like a record attendance yeah. at this beatdown. Yeah, and so for those of you who are listening that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about something called F3, which stands for Fitness Fellowship and Faith Dial-Up and I are uh, involved in that. My name, my real name is Nevin Gorky, uh, and Dial-Up's real name is Troy Klinger. I'm known as D-Fib in the gloom, and he's known as Dial-Up. But uh, we, our guest today is Dan Rick. Dan is not a member of F- F3, but, man, he is a high-impact man. And he brought, uh, was brought to us, recommended to us by Big Mac, a member of our packs here who Dial-Up and I know quite well from church, uh, Tom Swank, he's uh, on the road uh, driving truck all week, and he ran into uh, Dan, and he's been telling me, boy, you got to get this guy on your podcast, because Big Mac loves listening to us. So anyway, uh, Dan Rick is uh, originally uh, from Maryland, but in currently serves in the Pentagon on the OpNav staff as branch head, Naval Aviation Manpower Requirements and Programming. He is responsible to the Director Air of Air Warfare and Naval Aviation Enterprise for the planning, programming, budgeting, and execution of 133,000 naval aviation military, civilian, and contractor manpower requirements valued at over $8 billion annually. Dan is a 26-year retired Navy captain and pilot who logged over 3,000 hours in the P-3C aircraft. He completed many deployments throughout the 5th and 7th fleets, including Desert Storm slash Desert Shield and Operation Enduring Freedom in the Philippines. He commanded the, commanded the Battle E VP-9 Golden Eagles, and throughout his military career, served in two other Battle E squadrons, VP-4 and VP-40. He's got other uh, accomplishments in his military career, but the other thing that he has accomplished is, and he's going to tell us this story as well, where God spoke to him and he needed to start doing something for the Lord. And he has give, has a passion for men's ministry and getting men back in the game. The Lord enabled him to be a Bible study leader at the Pentagon for Christian Embassy and later the men's ministry leader at Burke Community Church for over four years. And we're going to get into those experiences and more as we have Dan. Welcome Dan to the podcast and to have him tell his story. So Dan, welcome to the podcast. Well, hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. And you're are you headed into the Pentagon right now? No, I'm heading away from the Pentagon as quickly as I possibly can. <laughs> all right, I understand That's what, that. Twenty miles an hour. Yeah, <laughs> all right. <laughs> In DC traffic. <laughs> yeah, we we all love that D- DC traffic, don't we? Um, no, it's well, good. So, Dan, um, uh, you know, you and I talked offline a little bit earlier this morning, and uh, I'm going to love to hear uh, your experiences in both your military career and your men's ministry. But we're going to let you take this uh, wherever you see fit and what you think uh, men need to hear. Uh, so first of all, I got to know, how did you meet our friend Tom Swank? Well, we, when, uh, COVID started, uh, we had been praying, uh, every Friday from six to 7 AM, uh, a group of guys. And then when COVID hit, we're like, Hey man, I guess, uh, we might as well get together and pray online. Right. And so we started doing that thinking, Hey, you know, we'll keep this prayer call going until, uh, you know, the churches open up and, uh, we're at 1400 days plus. And uh, through a, a, a Pennsylvania prayer call that Tom was a part of through Ken Heisey and some other guys up in the Danville area, yep. uh, Tom started dialing in our call when uh, the days that those guys weren't calling, we've, we've become friends. I never met him in person, but, uh, man, I'd say Big Mac is one great guy. Yes, he is. Yes, we we he love is. that yeah, guy. We love him. Yeah. So, And I'm glad he's, he's started coming out with us uh, on the weekends when he's home. 
uh, and, you know, working out with us outside uh, with F3. Because, you know, for those who listen who are not part of F3, F, one of the principles of F3 is that the workouts always have to be outside. Yeah. So, uh, and he shows up, man. He shows up whenever he's in town. Yeah, you won't you won't find many more guys that could be any more humble, just, you know, just a humble servant than what, what yeah. uh, Tommy is. And, uh, yeah. Well, I'm gra- glad he you brought he brought you to our attention, man. We're uh, honored to have you on. Uh, so, uh, why don't we just start from the beginning? Uh, let uh, tell us uh, what was life like growing up and uh, in Maryland there for you. Yeah, it sounds good, man. You know, I grew up uh, in a small town on the eastern shore of Maryland. So, uh, you know, we're about hour and a half away from the beach, or for you Pennsylvania guys, the shore. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand the distinction there. You know. Uh, anytime we're at Rehoboth Beach or Ocean City, we'd always see uh, have a friend in Pennsylvania, you know, bumper stickers and all that stuff all, all over the place. Right. Um, but I grew up, yeah. So we uh, we appreciate you guys coming down and uh, and enjoying the patronage of uh, of the great restaurants and stuff. Um, but I grew up on a uh, chicken farm, which is kind of a humbling experience. So I spent a lot of time uh, doing some shoveling chicken manure, and we had a farm, and you know, we grew like. A, Corn, wheat, barley, soybeans, all that stuff, cucumbers, uh, a lot of great vegetables. And so I did that until I was about 25, and then I, I got in the Navy. You know, normal career progression. I went from being a, a chicken farmer <laughs> uh, to being a pilot for the Navy. Of but, course. Uh, you know, and, and each one of those things is a very long story. But, you know, growing up in a small town, it was, um, it was kind of boring. You know, in fact, it was incredibly boring. So... A uh, young guy, just a uh, little bit outside of the 60s, they, uh, I was looking for something to be a little bit more exciting, so anything that was going on, you know, growing my hair long, smoking dope, skipping rope, and uh, doing whatever it was, I could get in trouble. That was uh, that was kind of what I did. You know, now, at the same time, you know, that was all me, because I grew up in a, a really good family. You know, my dad was a, a real pillar of the community, and... You know, went to church every Sunday, but it just didn't mean anything. To me. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, hey, only by the grace of God that I lived through high school, and, and even more so going through college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the University of Maryland, and I would like to say that we had a uh, some sort of rivalry with Penn State, but you guys crushed us every <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, it was actually kind of depressing when I knew a uh, Penn State game was coming up for Maryland, but uh, – um, and it's still, that's true to this day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, you know, I, I did all the things that, uh, young 20 year old guys do because, uh, I was going to be a farmer for the rest of my life. And, you know, it really didn't matter what I did, you know, and, uh, so I'd get away with anything because, uh, we had a pretty good name in town and, uh, and since I could get away with everything, I, I did. Um, now, now, Hey, that's life in the big city. But then when I went back to farming, you know, God kind of gave me an epiphany one day just saying, and I didn't really realize it was him. I was just sitting on the combine after picking corn. I was like, man, there's got to be a better way to make a buck than this. And uh, so I went and talked to a Navy recruiter, and uh, and uh, he said, uh, well, what's your eyesight? I said, I don't know, 2010, 2015, whatever the best is, that's me. He said, hey, you ought to be a pilot. And I was like, okay. And uh, so uh, I got picked up for flight school and uh, then uh, I spent 26 years in the Navy. So, and, and by the way, please feel free to interrupt me anytime because uh, people refer to me as a well-hit three wood in a tile room. So 
I can uh, I can sing all over the place. Well, tell me, tell us uh, uh, how how old are you? Uh, I'm 64. 64. So you you joined the Navy. I guess that would have been sometime in the 80s, right? Yeah, right before Top Gun came out. So 1986 was when I got in. Huh. Okay, and the the, the the people don't know yet, but your yet your call sign was Ice, right? That's that's correct. Did you get that before Top Gun came out? No, actually, I didn't get that until I got to the Pentagon. I was referred to. Uh, let's see, I had a couple other ones early on, like Gunny, uh, Mister Fabulous was one of my favorite ones. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> it was kind of hard to get on a business card. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it was funny, though, going through flight school, I purposely did not watch Top Gun because I didn't want to pick an airplane based on uh, based on a movie. Yeah. It's it, yeah. it's interesting to me, I, I you know, see, that's, I, I'll show my ignorance here. Like, you would think going into a Navy recruiter, you, you would think everybody would go there wanting to be a pilot, right? And so that would be the most popular thing that people want. So you would think if someone came in and didn't know what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. the last thing you think they would suggest is, right, being a being a pilot, yeah, right? Know. Well, have... who knows what it was like in the 80s? Yeah, was was, yeah, it, was there a lot of competition to get uh, to become a pilot back then? Well, you, you know, it's funny you ask that because the job I have now, I know exactly what happened. They had a big shortage of pilots and uh, because the airlines were hiring like crazy. So they needed pilots. So even a guy like me could get in. Because let me tell you something. My grades were not very good in college. Uh-huh. And, you know, it, it was funny when I went in and took my test. You know, you, what they do is they show you, like, pictures and see if you have any aptitude for uh, determining what an airplane would look like in the sky. And then, you know, they like engineering stuff where they, you know, hey, if one gear turns this way, what 10 gears down the road mm-hmm. turn? Uh, and then and then the rest of it was English. And apparently I didn't do very good on English. They looked, <laughs> at, my, they looked at my transcripts and said, hey, um, can you get any letters of recommendation? And I was like, uh, now that I can do. Because uh, if you haven't figured it out already, I'm kind of a talkative, uh, extrovert <laughs> guy. So I got a ton of uh, recommendations, and then they were dumb enough to let me in, and I was dumb enough to stay. Wow. So now, what is that like? You got you went you go to uh, so boot camp for the Navy is we're out in Michigan somewhere on a lake. No, that's actually for the enlisted guys. Uh, oh. This was back. You ever saw the movie Officer and the Gentleman? Yes. Yeah, we, we were down in Pensacola. We're, Officer and Gentleman was actually filmed in Washington State. Yeah. Deborah, Winger, Deborah Winger did not live in Pensacola. <laughs> never met. So, yeah, we went down there, and the uh, Marine Corps uh, drill instructor uh, kind of taught us about life and uh, for a little bit and taught us how important it was to pay attention to things, and then, <laughs> and then started flight school. All right. I went to DOR, Mayo. <laughs> did you see the movie Dial-Up? It's been a long time. All right. Okay. Yeah. I like that movie. Richard Gere for all. Yeah. Louis Gossett Jr. Anyway, um, flight school. So where was flight school? Uh, flight school was in Pensacola. I think you said that. Yeah, yeah, Pensacola. So how long is flight school? Well, the initial part's about six months. Um, so for me, totally to get my wings, it was 18 months. Okay. And, and But it was interesting. You know, now, you know, God always has told me, not always. But he said, hey, look back, pay attention, you know, look in the rearview mirror. I was actually, um, I was studying for a test, and so I figured, hey, I'll burn off some steam and go skateboarding. Well, that sounds real good until you, you know, come off the skateboard and you tear your ACL, and you're like, wow, I wonder if I'm done forever. Yeah. Uh, But what what it did, it moved my entire schedule six months 
and it actually set me up for a very successful career. Huh. Um, and it's unbelievable. You know, nobody says, hey, please let me rip my knee apart. <laughs> but by doing that, it was it was turned out great. Yeah, providence of God, brother. Yep. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So now when you go through flight school, um, you mentioned picking your aircraft. Do you do you get a choice in what aircraft you're going to fly? Well, depending on how well you do in your curriculum, um, every week they have a selection. You might go up against 15 guys. And if you have good grades, generally speaking, you get a chance to pick. But some of it's just the, the breaks in the Navy, you know, if they need helicopter pilots. And I don't care how good you are, you're flying helicopters. Right. So uh, with me, there was actually everybody wanted to go jet. I did not because uh, I a friend of mine was a P-3 pilot. That's all I knew about the Navy. And I was like, man, that seems like a pretty good lifestyle. You know, you stay away from boats and you you go all over the place and you stay in five-star hotels. I'm like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's why I picked P-3s as my airplane. You know, it's interesting. I listened to Jocko Willing's podcast, and, you know, he was a former SEAL, and he has a bunch of SEALs on there. And they're Navy, right? But they all, every one of them are like, they don't want to be stationed on a boat. It's like, well, you entered the Navy, right? <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, got, Navy guys don't like to be on a boat, at least some of them. Well, if we can avoid it, we will. I mean, we like the, we like the community because the Navy's kind of a cool service. Uh, if any of your listeners know anybody, you know, by the way, the military really does need people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's kind of like a bunch of independent operators. And that, that appealed to me, even though I, I really didn't even know it. Uh, just I just love the... Uh, the way we do things. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. So now tell tell everybody what the P-3 is like, what kind of aircraft that is. Well, P-3 uh, used to be a Lockheed Electric, so commercial airliner. They turned into an anti-submarine warfare uh, airplane. Uh, kind of cool. You can fly out about, uh, probably about 1,000, 1,200 miles away on a tank of gas and come back home. Uh, I lived in, uh, my first duty station was Hawaii, so... We could fly from Hawaii to D.C. on a single tank of gas if the winds were right. So it, it, was, it was a great airplane. Plus, the really cool thing about it is we had a crew of 12 guys. And so that was really when I learned about leadership and, and learned because, you know, when you're the guy in charge and 12 people are depending on you to bring them home mm-hmm. safe every single time, um, you learn the importance of uh, trying to be good at your craft. Yeah, yeah. So is that how it works? The that lead pilot, he's the guy. He's the command of the ship or the uh, aircraft. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like uh, you know, like the F eighteen guys, uh, some of those are single seat, some are uh, two seat. But there's a couple airplanes that are multi multi crew, and so we were one of the bigger ones. So uh, uh, that and we could carry up to like twenty three people, but generally speaking, on a mission, we'd have twelve guys. All right, cool. So it was a submarine killer. Did you kill any submarines? No. Uh, we spent a lot of time chasing them, but, you know, the whole, we didn't want to start World War Three and all that right. business. Only speaking, we, we practiced and we flew over top of, you know, Chinese, um, uh, Korean, and uh, mostly Russian and Chinese subs. And, and we just practiced in the eventuality that we did have to do that. So what's a, how do you see a sub from an airplane? Well, you, sometimes you do catch them on the surface because um, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they have to come up to periscope depth. And the reason they do that is to communicate. And also, like, a, if it's a battery-powered one, 
they have to recharge their batteries, so they have to come up. Now, that's, that's a, a great day when you see a periscope because it makes your job a lot easier because most submarines are very, very quiet, so um, you could fly over top of them and not even know they're there, especially if you're in an area where there's a lot of shipping traffic or whales or something like that. So it's, um, it, it, it's finding a needle in a haystack, but we found them quite often. Uh, a lot of times we didn't. But you know, hey, that's that's why we practice. Yeah, huh. was it just sonar from the air? That's interesting. Well, basically, you drop a um, you drop something like a radio receiver into the into the water, and you're listening for certain frequencies because every ship, mm-hmm. you know, has a certain frequency that they put in the water, and, and that's generally speaking how you do that. Um, and if you saw the movie Hunt for Red October, Great movie. there was actually. Free flying over top of that, and and actually the guy who wrote that book was in my squadron. So really? I, wow. It's kind of a funny story. He wrote the book, and and the movie guy said, "Hey, we'd like to buy the rights for a movie." And he figured, "Hey, there's never going to be any women in it. You know, it's never going to mount anything." Mm-hmm. So he sold it for like three thousand bucks. I thought Tom Clancy wrote that. Uh, well, he actually wrote he wrote the book, but the paper the book was written uh, was written about was from a guy named Greg Young, who basically wrote quite a bit of it for oh. Tom Clancy. Was that based off a true story? Um, yeah. Ooh, interesting. It was, it was, a, uh, was a sub that had gone awry, and they were trying to sneak away. Wow. Huh. So, um, Sean Connery really did defect. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, it's, uh, it, he went back home eventually. Okay. Okay, after he spilled all the beans on the you can't Russian t- Navy. He can't tell us anymore. Yeah, right. I know. All right. Well, you know, he's probably he was probably older than you were back then, I would guess, if he's the captain of a sub. So. Yeah. Yes, he was. Much so older. He's probably not alive anymore. But. So you, so I'm still intrigued by that. You drop the listening devices into the water, and then do you have to, like, circle that area to be able to, to gather the information from them then? Yeah, pretty much. Actually, you drop a whole bunch of them, and, uh, you know, you have an area where you think one might be. Uh, you know, based on uh, intelligence and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then you drop a, it's what we call it, we call it a buoy field. And then if the sub is around there and we can hear them, uh, you know, we can pick up a frequency and then, and that's, that's kind of how it works. And, and if you hear them, do you also then get from that a sense of direction as far as like where they're located? Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the goal. The goal is to be right over top of them. So if you had to, you could drop a torpedo on them and, yeah. and make kind of bad wow that's interesting isn't it interesting so yeah. cool all right yeah that, wow hunt for hunt for red october was real dude it was yeah how about it you saw the movie right <laughs> absolutely yeah that's yeah. a great movie all right um but i tell you that the living in a submarine must be awful because uh you know you see the old world war ii submarine movies and have stuff you ever like been that. in a sub yeah like, yeah you know, i walked through a museum one. or anything yeah. like that yeah that yeah would not be a fun crazy and back then they used thing. to smoke i think they'd like smoke in the submarine. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy um yeah, and so you uh, you, you uh, deployed the Desert Storm. Not many, you and I talked about this earlier, but not many submarines in the desert. So your aircraft was uh, tasked with something else, right? Yeah, we we uh, figured out that we could put cameras on the airplane, and, and so we did a lot of targeting. Um, it was a real, I mean, the wildest thing about Desert Storm was that, I mean, there was missiles flying everywhere. And, you know, we were watching, that was when CNN really first started know being 24 7 coverage yeah and, uh, and it was kind of cool because there was a couple of times that 
you know, we'd fly a flight and they'd be talking about our specific mission on CNN because, you know, a ship would get blown up and we were part of that. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was kind of cool, actually. The Really, the most dangerous thing was trying not to hit another airplane because there was a bunch of them flying. Yeah. Um, but but it, was a, it was a neat experience because that was the first, basically the first war with the exception of Grenada, you know, since Vietnam. And I hate to say it this way because there's a lot of death and destruction, but it was, it was kind of a popular war, so it was uh, kind of, it was a good experience. Yeah. And, you know, yet you, you, you learn a lot about the world uh, at war. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of, uh, kind of cool. And it being a little bit more dangerous, you know, you really became even better about uh, trying to make sure you lived through it and got everybody home. Yeah. So were you, was your airplane, uh, we, we one of the guys that when we saw on the, uh, like on, you watch on TV, you could see the uh, aircraft with the, the picture of the, you know, like the, the truck or the tank going down the road and the missile hits it. Were you guys yeah. ones like you got the, you were the, you were the one targeting that like uh, target? Well, we weren't necessarily targeting those guys. Normally we were doing coastal targets. Oh, okay. Uh, there was enough other air force guys, you know, that were providing that kind of op- optic for those, those, uh, missions. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Take us through, uh, you know, the end of your career. You had 26 years, uh, and you retired as a captain. Uh, you you led a lot of uh, – uh, you had a couple different leadership positions, right? Yeah, I was uh, very fortunate. Actually, I got a chance to go up to the ranks and be a commanding officer of a squadron. Uh, you know, and that was about 400 and some people. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then I ended up as a, a captain. But – after my command tour, I went to school to get my MBA. Not that I'm a smart guy, but the Navy, just, it's a pump, not a filter. Uh, and then the payback for that is they put you in the Pentagon and just let you, that's where you kind of spend the rest of your career. So, uh, so I went to the Pentagon and did, um, oh, basically, I was like the lead finance guy to kind of figure out what we would, would buy for naval aviation. And it was, uh, it was, a, it was a very difficult job. But that really is where the Lord started working on me mm. uh, to get off my, my assets and get in the game. Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely want you to talk about that, but I got a question for you. Uh, there's sure. a gentleman who we interviewed in our podcast, and he and his kids are heavily involved in F3. Anyway, uh, his name is Brian Jodis. He was a three-star Air Force general. Ended up being a NATO commander, but he was a, a fighter pilot. You didn't have to uh, cross paths with him at all, did you? No, I didn't, um, and I... I think I would have known that name. How old is he, by the way? Uh, how is he? In the late 60s? I think so. Late 60s, around close to 70, something yeah. like that. Sorry, his, his uh, F3 name is Red Baron. Sorry, Red Baron. I can't remember how old you are. You, you, whatever whatever the number is, he's like 20 years Six, younger physically. 60, yeah, but, like 68's in my head for some Yeah, reason. I think late 60s, but uh, not sure. Well, a good possibility because Pentagon, even though it's 26,000 people working there, it's, uh, yeah. it's actually a little bit smaller than you can imagine. I mean, because you see people over and over. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, let yeah, let's get into your, uh, what the, I'm sorry, do you have a question? Uh, yeah, I could, maybe you mentioned this and I missed it. How long have you been at the Pentagon? Um, well, I got to the Pentagon in 2006. I retired from the Navy in 2011. Took a couple years off, let the Lord steer me around. Then I came back in 2014, and I am there until this March. And I am out of there. Huh. Oh, are you retiring for good? Yeah, it's um, 
I've done it long enough, and, and I really want to focus on men's ministry and all that stuff for the rest of my life. Well, that's awesome, man. That's, that's a, a good calling. Have you ever met Dane Eggley from the Coast Guard? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, Dane is uh, he's from Danville, where we're from. So that's our connection, how we got to know him. But he was a he retired as a captain in the of the Coast Guard after thirty three years. But he's now Doctor Eggley. He got a PhD in Homeland Security, but he got uh, tasked with uh, being involved in national security under George W. Bush, working with Condoleezza Rice. He was in charge of hostages across the world and stuff like that. Wow! So he's a good friend of ours, but um, he's, he's also a solid Christian guy who's really. Uh, uh, have a heart for men. He's really in the yeah. men's ministry as well. When he was he was serving um, during the Trump administration and into the Biden administration down there, with I don't know, I, I can't remember exactly who the group was, but he it was it was a consulting group. It right? was a consulting group on national security, and they would brief like the vice president, or whatever. But and they were in the Pentagon in and out sometimes, I guess. But anyway, yeah. Well. We're, we're name dropping and striking out dialogue. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, and before we came on, you asked if I was related to a Brian Klinger from State College. I texted my dad, and he says, nope. Nope. Not that he knows wow. of. But he, he did say there's some Klingers that are uh, in, in in the area, though, Bullsburg and Belfont, around, you know, that's you know, kind of suburbs of Happy Valley uh, or State yeah. College. So pro- probably of that family, but not, not related from the sounds of it. You can't throw a rock yeah. in State College without hitting a clinger. How about it? Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a unique name up in that neck of the woods. So I was kind of surprised that I didn't recognize yeah, the name when you mentioned it. Yeah, I uh, asked us about uh, a guy named Brian Klinger that he flew with in the in the uh, uh, Navy, but and he was from State College, which is where dial ups from, and his yeah. last name's Klinger, but no relation. Oh well. All right. So tell us, how'd you get involved? What uh, tell us the story? How the Lord got a hold of you and got you working for Him? Well, you know, I mean, some. People have a road to Damascus like Paul, and they get knocked on their on their butt. Uh, some people have a road to Emmaus. I was more of a road to Emmaus guy because I grew up in, in church. Uh, but like I said, you know, hey, I could you know, go to church on Sunday and smoke dope on Monday, and I was absolutely fine with all that stuff. But, you know, it was interesting. One of the things I did in the Navy, um, I did have to go to the boat for a couple of years, and I was on the USS Enterprise, and I was a shooter. So... That means I was a flight tech officer and one of those crazy guys in the yellow shirts that the airplanes were zipping over the top. Mm-hmm. And there was a chaplain there that uh, I just became friends with him. He'd go up and do the evening prayer. He'd swing by my office and we'd chat. And I liked the guy. And I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. A, a chaplain with a personality. So it was. Uh, so we became friends. And uh, we would have uh, prayer time on the flight deck, you know, before we launched. And, and it was interesting because, you know, we'd have – six seven eight guys but the higher the the tempo was you know the more airplanes were launched and the more people on board we got up to like 20 some guys and i was like wow this is interesting and so uh then uh, after my command tour and i got back to the pentagon i worked in an office doing uh, financial stuff for the for the navy and i hated it yeah. i mean <laughs> Dude, I came from being a, when you're a commanding officer of a squadron, you know, you yeah. walk, walk in the room, everybody stands up and all that stuff. But then you get to the Pentagon, I don't care who you are, nobody stands up for you, you're just a nobody, you're just a regular old person. Mm-hmm. And so I was you know, in a job that I hated, and, uh, you know, I, I, man, I would break out in these cold sweats because I had no idea what I was doing, and, uh, and I just, I saw no end to it. And so anyway, it was interesting because I told the Lord, I said, Lord, 
if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't surround me with some godly guys here real soon, and I didn't even know what that meant, actually. I said, uh, I'm going to jump off a cliff, and it's hard to find a good cliff at the Pentagon, but, uh, <laughs> but I, but I, I, I would have looked. So anyway, next day I go up and I talk to a friend of mine. I had to chat about something, and he had Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on the on his um, on his desk. And I was like, hey, I like that verse. And he said, uh, well, yeah, we chit-chatted for a minute. He said, you know, we have a Bible study here on Thursday. And I'm like, hey, more power to you guys, man. Way to go. And so I walked away, and then the, the very next day I was up at another meeting, and I'm sitting next to this guy, and we started talking somehow about church, you know, somehow in quotation marks and he said you know we have a bible study here on thursdays and i was like okay lord you know i asked you deliver two guys in a row okay i'll show up on thursday Mm -hmm. and so i did and then um after a couple weeks sure enough man uh, the the leader said hey uh you know we need to pray for a new leader because uh i'm getting ready to retire and so i felt that icy boot of god you know kicking me in the head basically saying well hey what about you and i'm like a, I don't know how to lead a Bible study. And number two, um, I'm really busy. He said, yeah, I know. I designed your schedule. And uh, so uh, what other excuse to have? And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. So I started leading Bible studies. And then I realized that, man, I really enjoyed that. First of all, it made me get in the Word. Mm-hmm. Second, uh, you know, it was great starting to hang around with other guys of substance. Yeah. Now, it was interesting, you know. It, I mean, it was, a, it was a good group. It went from eight. And then after I took over... Uh, it uh, grew to about uh, two, and then some days of just silent reflection uh, because nobody showed up. I was like, okay, I must be doing something wrong. Uh, but then God said, look, you just hang in there and do what I ask you to do and just keep showing up. And so I did, and then, you know, he, uh, you know, much longer than, than this podcast has. But, uh, you know, he gives one guy and then another guy and then another guy, and then and all of a sudden it was, it was a lot of fun again. So, so I, was, I was starting to get to where I really realized how important men's ministry was and, and how important it was for me to be in the Word, I mean, really in the Word, really letting God steer me around. So then, uh, you know, I, I was starting to plan at a church, and they had an Iron Sharpens Iron Conference, and I didn't know that at the time, first one in the area, and that was Burke Community Church in Northern Virginia. And I'm sitting there watching, you know, they had a, um, uh, a you know, a meeting on Saturday, and it was uh a one-day thing, and I was sitting there, and my son was with me. I have two kids, lovely wife. My lovely wife, Anne-Marie, will be married 37 years this year. Congratulations. Which is also another. Thank you very much. But it's a miracle, and thank you, Lord, very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have a uh, 33-year-old son and a beautiful little granddaughter and a, a daughter who's 30. So anyway, that's my family dynamic. Yeah. So anyway, I have my son, I have my son with me at this Iron Sharpens Iron Conference, and uh, literally, I'm sitting there in a group, didn't know anybody. God said, hey, how come you aren't on that stage? And I looked around like, I don't know who you're talking to, but I don't know anybody here. And and then, sure enough, he had me on that stage in, in about five months. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a meeting, you know, for a men's ministry kind of meeting, and, you know, they were chit-chatting about this. I didn't know any of these guys. And, and at the end, you know, the pastor dropped the bomb. He said, well, you know, if we're going to do this, then uh, somebody's going to have to lead it. And again, I felt the icy boot of the Lord again. And he's like, well, what about you? And I said, I, okay. I mean, and so I went up to the pastor afterwards and I said, hey, you know, if nobody steps up to lead this, I will. Um, but just want to let you know, 
I'm not a member of the church and my wife's Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and so the pastor gave a great line. He said, well, let's see what God does with that. Now, I don't know. I didn't know what that meant. But three weeks later, I got a call from him. He said, hey, are we going to get together for coffee? And I was like, uh, well, I guess the line was one deep. And so I said, uh, okay. Uh, but, you know, it was interesting because now I'm in this thing that uh, I didn't, I, I had no idea what to do, but I did know how to lead. You know, God always uses our talents and, mm-hmm. and skills and our, and our opportunities. And so, you know, we had a meeting and I just said, hey, look, guys, I'm Dan Rick and, you know, I'm. I'm uh, I'm I'm leading this thing, and so just just want to let you guys know where do you think we should go? And and it was uh, it was pretty cool because uh, I'm a very extroverted guy, so it's kind of easy for me. But but you know I would walk around and I would kind of pray the not kind of I prayed the prayer of Jabez, mm-hmm. you know, but like okay God I don't know anybody here, and and so you know the prayer of Jabez for anybody that doesn't know it you know Jabez we don't anything about to do but it's first chronicles 4 9 and 10 and you know you're reading so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so and and then all of a sudden you get to jabez and his mom named him jabez because he was born in pain uh and jabez cried out to the god of israel and said oh that you have blessed me indeed and enlarged my territory mm-hmm. uh, and keep me i would cause no pain and the, god's answer was god did as he requested so god did the same thing for me you know, he'd bring guy after guy after guy. Now, these are all a bunch of military dudes. So I spoke the lingo. You know, I kind of knew who they were. I, I mean, I, I knew their mentality. I didn't know their names. Yeah. Uh, but then, but man, I mean, he grew that men's ministry from my first email was 22 uh, to 22 guys. The last one I sent as men's ministry leader after about four years was 683. Wow, that's now, awesome. Don't think 683 people were, were doing stuff they weren't, but we probably had a couple hundred. So, yeah. you know, and so through that experience, you know, God taught me a lot. One, he said, look, if I ask you to do something, just do it. Mm-hmm. And number two, he said, success is mine, not yours. And and he put me through some uh, wonderful, wonderful experiences. And then he pulled me away from them. So, you, you know, uh, and, and that's another podcast in and of itself. You know, it's like God said, look, I, I need to get you separate, you know, separate from this because I'm moving you somewhere. Now, it's interesting. On April uh, 23rd, 2012, at 2.30 in the morning, uh, God woke me up and he said, where are the men? And now, you know, this is, if I told you how loud it was, it would shatter your eardrum. It was the most vocal thing I've ever heard in my life to where... You know, I was like, man, there must be a big storm outside. So anyway, I went outside. And, uh, of course, it was the most still night in northern Virginia that I've ever seen. You know, um, and so I was like, okay, well, something just happened here. You know, so um, I went back upstairs and, you know, I was going to pray about it, which meant I was going to fall back asleep. Right. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, I laid down in bed and God said, are you seriously just going to lay here? And I was like, no, I Yes, not. So I went downstairs, got on my knees, and and I said, "Okay, God, what do you got?" And He said, "Number one, where are the men?" I said, "Number two, never withhold good to those from whom it's due when it's in your power to do it." And that's Proverbs three twenty-seven, one of my life verses. And then He said, "I will restore everything." And I'm like, "Okay, what else?" He said, "Nothing. Go to bed." <laughs> so okay, and and this is, I mean, literally, this is about as close to a dialogue as I've ever had with God. 
And during that time frame, uh, he moved me out of men's ministry and put me in with, uh, oh man, prayer guys, prophecy guys, you name it, I was there. And and I had retired. I retired from the Navy at that time. And I told God, I said, look, I'll do whatever you want. So I had about two and a half years of just, um, you know, uh, just going from nonprofit to nonprofit saying, look, guys, I'm free labor. So whatever you need, no salary, no nothing, I'm here to help. And the interesting thing was God was um, teaching me about patience and how to wait. Uh, because everything I was doing turned to dust. You know, I was used to gold, man, Navy pilot and all this other stuff, men's ministry leader. And now everything I was doing was not working out. And so I was like, okay, God, um, I don't feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I said, so if you want me to work for a paycheck, please bring it to me. And he did. Uh, well, excuse me. And then I said, if you want me to go to the Pentagon, you're going to have to pick me up, put me in there because I don't want to go. I hate that place. Yeah. So it was, it was funny. Um, about nine months after I retired, uh, there was uh, some guys who were in my Bible study called me up and said, Hey man, the Admiral's trying to get in touch with me. I'm like, okay. And, uh, so I talked to the Admiral and he said, well, Hey, I said, Hey, what's up boss? He said, I'm trying to put this job together. He said, are you interested? And I was like, um, yeah, I'm just kind of praying about that. Of course I didn't tell him that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, so now, two and a half years later, uh, when I've got this other epiphany that I'm not where I'm supposed to be, you know, laying flat down on my face praying. By the way, if you ever really want to talk to God, you get on your face. Mm. And he will, uh, he, for some reason, he tends to respond to me really well like that. And so about 45 minutes after that prayer, I got a call from the uh, Pentagon. Somebody said, hey, remember that job from two years ago? It just opened up and you're interested. And so God had to move a bunch of people around. Uh, you know, to, to make it good for me to come back. Um, and and so a lot more details to it than that, but I went back there. You know, God had put me in a place where I didn't want to be, but I started leading Bible studies again. So I was kind of getting back in the game. Now, um, okay, any questions so far? Because now I'm going to go to this place called the farm. No, I think uh, that's, I mean, it's amazing how you, uh, you think you've... Uh, um not think, but you heard from God and, and uh, so clearly. And, rec- yeah, and recognize how he's guiding you and making everything fall in place. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, when we make ourselves available um, yeah. and be faithful and humble, I, I guess that's when best we can hear uh, God's voice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. Keep going, man. No, no. So so anyway, during that time frame, this, the, the farm I grew up on, the one thing I didn't talk about, when I was 14 years old, I, I remember like yesterday I was plowing in the field and uh, God said, hey, you're going to do something for me at this farm someday. Um, and I'm like, okay. I had no idea what that meant. Like I said, I smoked a lot of dope back then, but uh, I know that it was his voice. And so, you know, nothing, 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 nothing. Well, and, you know, and I, I tried to buy the farm back over the years because once I walked away from the farm when I was 26, it kind of sat idle for a lot of years. And it looked like garbage, and, and uh, a relative of mine owned it. And, and so I said, hey, let me buy it back from me and clean it up. And it, it didn't, it, the answer was no, 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 no. So anyway, my dad died in 2014. And so I, you know, as we were settling everything up, I said, hey, I don't care about a lot of stuff, but I want you to sell me the farm back. And they did. So, so now we're 40 years past, you know, that 
when I was 14 years old, hearing God's voice very clearly. And, and so I had this farm, and it was a mess. But um, I was like, okay, God, you know, I got it. And by the way, I want to use it for you. I want to use it for men's ministry. So little bit by little bit, my wife and I have restored the farm, mostly through volunteer labor from different men's ministry things I've done. And so we've turned it into a place where, you know, it was starting to look better. Well, when COVID hit, I mentioned that prayer call where I met uh, Big Mac. And uh, long before I met him, you know, we've been praying uh, up until Pentecost. This is when Black Lives Matter was all hitting. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the world, and people thought the world was going to end and everything else. So we're on this prayer call. And, then, and we had done a couple three-day fasts to kind of get God's perspective on things. By the way, that's why you fast, not for him to do something for you, but to get his perspective. Mm-hmm. I've learned that. And so anyway, we, um, uh, you know, around Pentecost, Black Lives Matter and all that, God said, hey, I am super excited that you guys are praying. But you're a bunch of white guys. Why don't you start praying with guys that don't look like you? Invite guys to the prayer call. And that's what we started doing. So we started, we had some, you know, black friends, and uh, we invited them to the call. And then about uh, July of that year, guys were starting to get, you know, a little shirt crazy and said, hey, we need to get together. And I was like, okay, well, you know, hey, I got this farm and, you know, you guys can come there. It's about as COVID friendly as it can be. And so we got together and 45 guys showed up on the hottest day of the year, July 19th on 2020. And um, and then the guys were like, hey, well, when's the next one we're doing? Mm. Uh, and then the next, the next one. So we've had a five or six events. And it started, you know, as a one-day thing. Now, it's, since guys are coming from out of town, they're like, hey, can we camp? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And so we've had guys from uh, I, I, the last one we had this September, we had 100 guys. Uh, and most of them stay for the whole weekend. And it's just been a really, really powerful time because when men get together, God can work because, you know, that line on in 2012, April 23rd, 2.30 in the morning, God asked me that question. He said, where are the men? Because the reason we're seeing everything that we see is because men have slept. Men have been on the sidelines for so long. Yeah. And so... So, you know, that's kind of where we are today. And I know, you know, I've been talking a lot, but that's why what you guys are doing, man, it's so important because men are dying for, for male relationships yeah. that are substantial and they mean something. Yeah. And, you know, it's the whole Ezekiel twenty two thirty. God said, God looked to and fro for a man to stand in the gap and rebuild the wall so he wouldn't have to destroy the city and he couldn't find anybody i mean for years i could not say that verse without crying i'm like god how can you not find anybody and so um so that's the challenge we've had to the men and through that prayer call and i'll stop at this since we moved from northern virginia over to the other side of the bay because god i told god i said hey can you give me a job over here to start get a little soft landing before i know can retire and God was like, well, how about if I move your job from the Pentagon over there? So the Pentagon, which you could never have teleworked. I've been teleworking for the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get a chance to work across my wife. She works for Navy Federal Credit Union. And uh, so we've gotten a chance to really know each other and love each other so much more. And uh, it's, I'm over there, so I'm over by the farm. Uh, it's just been really fantastic how God's been the details. The last thing he's done over here, because I'm like, God. I'm dying for men's fellowship over here. 
And he said, well, what do you know how to do? I said, well, I don't know. I know how to get guys together. He said, then do it. Mm-hmm. And so we started the men's breakfast over here, and, and we've called it the men's offensive, which we're trying to get churches to actually work together. Uh, a little bit longer story, but I'll keep it short. Uh, so anyway, you know, I, I've reached out to guys around here, and it was slow at the beginning. But, man, lately we've had other churches chiming in saying, hey, we want to be a part of this. So, mm-hmm. so that's where we are right now, you know, men getting together for breakfast. We're trying to get involved in the community. Uh, still slow moving, way too slow for me because I'm a type A dude. Mm-hmm. And um, But, you know, that's, so that's our focus. That's why I'm ready to pull the plug in March <coughs> and do this stuff uh, nonstop. And I'm off the pulpit. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I uh, praise God for that. And I, um, Dallup and I have been involved in men's groups for a long time. I started a couple men's groups, um, but just with guys from our church to start. Uh, one of them still meeting on Saturday morning. We started that in 2011. And then um, so another men's group on Tuesday nights at the church we called The Forge because where we're from, we're the Ironmen because there's iron ore in these mountains. At least there was. Uh, and the local high school is called the Ironmen. But anyway, we called it The Forge, and um, – that lasted a couple of years, and I, uh, it, COVID sort of caused the breakup of that group, but that group didn't break up. They evolved into the prayer call that you referenced with okay. Ken Heisey. So right. Ken was part of the Forge, which we used to meet on Tuesday nights at the church, and then now, and then, you know, since COVID hit, now it's become the prayer call. But uh, when we do, when we would get together for uh, men's meetings, like just like a breakfast meeting, um, we usually studied something a, a, a book by a christian author about you know about the word or we studied the word itself and uh and then we of course prayed for each other and that kind of stuff is that how yours is sort of formatted well we start six to seven actually we say six o'clock it actually starts at 601 and ends at 701 mm-hmm. um but we we keep it we let the holy spirit lead it uh, you know, so it has gone everything from, hey, praying for, you know, sickness and illness, praying for our country, you know, the whole First Timothy 2-1, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we've had some, I mean, you know, Ken Hise is a great example. One of his good friends, uh, you know, hey, uh, who's in our area, you know, he lost his son. And boy, what do men do? You pray for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so powerful. We prayed all the way through the funeral you know, I mean, him, right. I mean, he was on that call every day because he was dying for people. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we've had a couple episodes of those uh, great tragedies, but God used men in prayer mm-hmm. to really like Aaron and her to hold up Moses' arms. And, right. and it's been powerful. By the way, Ken came down to the farm with Dave Young um, in September. So you can ask him about it. Yeah. And by the way, everybody who hears this, you guys are invited. I mean, you know, it's uh, over in Preston, Maryland, and um, it ain't glamping, but we've got uh, <laughs> uh, so you'll, uh, more to follow because he can tell you what it's like, and uh, it's just a great thing. We've had guys from Georgia, Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, North Carolina, Florida, you know, come in for the event, which is wild. But with the wildest thing, I can't get people from my hometown to come. Right, yeah. I have one guy show up out of my hometown so it's hilarious that's yeah crazy, so that's in yeah. preston maryland so how do people uh get there if they say hey I, i'm interested how do we uh, how do they get involved how do they get there um well the, you know the, the easiest thing and and i i put this out to everybody because if you're looking for a getaway or whatever hey man come out to the farm it's free 
you know, we pay the electricity and the, uh, um, and the water and all that stuff. And like I said, we've got, it's in the country. I'd love to have everybody come down. You know, I'll give you guys my uh, email address and you can post it wherever you want, man. Cause God, this is, my name might be on the deed, but God, uh, God's name is on the land. That's awesome. Yeah. He told me to do, and oh, by the way, it's called Jeremiah 2911 farm. Right. Um, cool. And, and God said, Hey, by the way, I want you to make that plural because it's going to catch on and people can replicate it nice. elsewhere across the country. So that's Jeremiah awesome. 2911 farms. That's correct. All right. All right. You heard it out there. All you men, um, uh, think about uh, getting together with uh, with uh, Dan Rick here and the rest of the guys at the farm. Uh, maybe dialing up and I'll show show up one day. And and we yeah, wouldn't. Well, I was gonna say, and we wouldn't be doing justice for our F three representation here if we didn't eh him right and tell right. him to check out F three. I was getting there. the capital. Yeah, F three. Right, that's your region down there, that neck of the woods. You got to check out their website, and uh, if you could show up, uh, you're a busy man. It sounds like, but uh, if you could show up and uh, post. Uh, with the F3 Capital guys, they would love to have you and uh, yeah. maybe even develop some partnerships. Yeah, I don't know if you Navy guys are, are up to the task, though. You know, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's cruel. <laughs> well, Ice, listen, but I got no, I, Hey, I'll tell you what. You know, I mean, we're, we're all in this together, guys. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I'm so excited. Anytime I hear men's ministry, I mean, dude, my, my wife says anytime I'm doing something like that, he's in his happy yeah, and that's true. Yeah, uh, let me let me. I, I maybe told you briefly about it, but F three um, it stands for Fitness Fellowship and Faith. But the mission is to plant, grow, and serve small workout groups for men for the invigoration of male community leadership. And there's a lot of military sort of uh, jargon and things that we do because uh, one of the there are two guys that founded. The one guy is an ex Green Beret. He's a lawyer now down in Charlotte named Dave Redding. Uh, his F3 name is Dread, but he and a guy named uh, Tim Whitmire, OBT, his F3 name is OBT, started this thing in 2011 uh, down in Charlotte. And uh, But what they found is what you've described in men, they gave a name to. They call it Sad Clown Syndrome. Sad Clown coming from um, a quote from The Sopranos, which basically means uh, laughing on the outside but crying on the inside. But, but it describes men usually in their middle age, 30s, 40s, 50s, where um, they don't have those close male friendships that you mentioned and that, that we need. Uh, a lot of loneliness out there. And there's, that's been well documented in all, all over the place, how there's sort of an epidemic of uh, male loneliness. And, and F3 is not a, a Christian organization, but uh, one of the uh, principles is every workout has to end in a, what we call a circle of trust. And it depends on where you are and who leads the workout that day. But um, but in, at least in our region, uh, we always end with a prayer request and praying for each other. But it's amazing what the bonds that develop when you are outside, no matter what the weather, working out and doing something hard together. That really bi- binds uh, these men together in a tighter fellowship. And it opens up, it makes guys a little bit more transparent and willing to share because, uh, you know, it's hard to hide when you're doing a hard workout and you're struggling and, you know, the guy next to you is struggling and, you know, you become a little bit more uh, exposed kind of. And, uh, and that just opens up guys' uh, hearts. And uh, so many guys we've had on our podcast are part of F3, but a lot of guys like you, Dan, are not. Uh, but they, they talk about how it's really given them confidence and boldness in their faith. And guys that have started, you know, addiction ministries, you know, recovering from addiction, different things like that. But anyway, 
That's what we're talking about when we talk about F3. And there's a region, there's regions all over the world now, but there's a region in there called F3, the capital. And so that's what Dial-Up is trying to get you to go to. Well, I, yeah, I actually listened to One Hit Wonders uh, yeah. Uh, podcast. Yeah, and, and I, I was, and I've been researching you guys. You guys are doing great stuff, man. And, and yeah, I'll definitely reach out to those guys because the more, you know, that we can uh, uh, intersect our lives yeah. and the networking we do, the more effective we'll be because, you know, God's, God's depending. He's demanding, you know, Micah 6.8. I've told you what's good, old man, and what the Lord require of you, but to act deathly, love mercy, and walk humbly with me. So he's mm-hmm. looking for men off the sidelines and into the game. Yes. Yeah, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth looking for those who are whose hearts are sold out for him. To strengthen, those, to strengthen those whose hearts are sold out for them. So, somewhere in uh, <laughs> the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember where. Anyway. Somewhere after Genesis 1, yeah, but right. before yeah, yeah. Matthew. Yeah, it's just <laughs> one of those books. Anyway. Um, so let's see. Uh, that takes us through kind of your, your military career. Now, let me t- ask you this. You were serving when 9-11 occurred. Where were you when 9-11 occurred? Uh, I was in Japan. We were in uh, Itsugi, Japan, so about two hours southwest of Tokyo. Okay. Did you have to get deployed somewhere else? I mean, what happened with that? Did, were you involved in that? Yeah, we went to, uh, I mean, you know, it was interesting. I had never seen New York and all that stuff. Uh, I was in a meeting in Maine just a week prior. So when I got back home uh, to Japan, uh, you know, CNN was on at 9 o'clock at night. And, you know, a bunch of military guys lived, uh, guys on my staff lived very close. And I remember seeing, you know, the World Trade Center burn. I was like, well, okay, that's the World Trade Center. And then uh, I'm like, how could an airplane hit that thing? Because, by the way, it's hard to hit a building. Uh, not that I've tried, but it's hard to hit a building. <laughs> yeah. And then when I saw the second plane come around, I was like, okay, this is not, not good. Yeah. And so we went over, and, and I, I mean, I remember like yesterday, you know, we went to uh, some other guys on staff said, hey, put your uniform on. You know, we went in, and, and, and the world changed, as you know, but um, there was nothing we could do. We realized that we were in it for the long haul. And so that's, uh, but, but no, it was, it rocked us. And we went out to the Middle East to start uh, setting up for squadrons to be able to operate out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that uh, we deployed out there and I left about two months after that and went to my command course. Okay. Yeah. Horrible day, but it did change the world. Um, yeah. So you working in, you worked all these years in the military and you're still working in the Pentagon. What is the culture like right now? Uh, in the in the military in the United States, um, you, you know it's let me say pride and 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 titles and power and all that stuff. I mean, I've been there long enough to where none of that stuff phases me. Um, but it's a really dark place, and you know, and and, and this is something that perplexes me. You know, there's twenty six thousand people, give or take, to work there. I'll be nice. Let's say there's thirteen thousand guys. Let's say, and I'll be really nice. Let's say ten percent of them are Christians. Uh, so I, there should be thirteen hundred guys walking around trying to actively be, you know, salt and light at work, and it's almost impossible to find it. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, the military in general has gone through so many. Uh, and I'm not going to get political, but I'll tell you this, and this is important for everybody to understand. The reason a lot of things happen in the military is because we transcend state lines. And also, you know, when the military says, hey, by the way, this is the new, the new law, um, then it happens overnight. So a lot of, of our social changes, which um, 
uh, I will not comment on, although uh, I think it's been, uh, it's certainly not been a readiness issue. It's been very degrading to our military, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, It is, um, they hit the military because, uh, hey, it happens overnight. And so um, there's a lot of people that are really wrestling with that right now. We've got retention problems. We've got problems bringing people in the door. I don't think it's all because of that. We have a generation that's lost their way because, like you said, the lonely man syndrome. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so for that reason, there's a, a large chunk of people coming out of high school that just say, you know, I don't think I'm going to work for a while. Now, to older guys like me, we're like, I'm sorry, what what was yeah, that? Right. That's an um, option. You but, think that's yeah, an option? Right? But, but that's, that's the world we live in. And so I think that raises the stakes for God's men to, to do, uh, to get men's ministry moving and for us to work together. Yeah. I can, it's, it must be interesting, you know, being in the military, especially if you're, I guess, sort of up a level, I guess anywhere. But, like, when administrations change politically, like, military could change completely. Yeah. Like, you're at the whim of the politicians, I guess. Yep. Uh, in, in many regards, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the things, and, you know, and with all due respect to all the leaders, because they've got tough jobs, man, I, I would not want to be a, a three-star or four-star. It's just really, really difficult. But, you know, you, you do wonder, it's like, uh, and I, I always want to ask guys, what would you quit over? I mean, you know, what is the litmus test? You say no more. Yeah. Uh, but then again, you know, you think about it, and, and guys told me this too, said, hey, if everybody quit, you don't have anybody leading. And I'm like, I'll buy that one too. So that's that fine line we walk through. Yeah. You know, what what can we take and, and how where's God planted us? You know, Jeremiah 20, 29 says, you know, bloom where you're planted. So uh, we have guys doing it both ways, either getting out or staying in. But there's a lot of great people in the military still. And, and I think it's still great opportunities, but uh, it's very different than when I got in many yeah. years ago. Yeah. Kind of goes up and down. Hopefully it'll go up at some point. Yeah. All right. Hope so. Well, uh, Dan, I got two questions we ask all of our guests. Uh, before I hit you with those, Dial-Up, do you have any other questions? No, I, I've got mine in as we went along. So. All right. And, Dan, do you have anything else you want to share for the good of the order? Um, no, but I, I think I know what the two questions are, so I'll save my last he, one. For he practiced. Uh, he's ready. Yeah, he listened he to One Hit Wonder. did his homework. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, okay, the first one is if you were to pick somebody that uh, – you would say inspired you, a hero, whatever. It could be somebody from the distant past or presently or whatever. Uh, who would you pick? Well, you know, I actually was thinking about this uh, last night. And really, it's Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. I just love his style, man. I mean, he led in the face of adversity. Uh, you know, he, he served everybody. You know, uh, you can boil his entire ministry down to others. Mm-hmm. He did everything for others. Yeah. And, if man, if we all did that, then uh, then what an amazing world we live in. However, that's a church answer. I know that. You know, I had a great dad, but I don't think he was my role model as much as a, uh, I'm sorry, he wasn't my hero as much as a role model. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really, I think it's, it's two. One is uh, Tom Tuberville. I don't know if you guys have heard that name. But he was the one yeah. who, yeah, he was the one who said, you know, you got to take abortion out of, uh, uh, what they do is they pay for uh, women to go to states that, will enable abortion because the DOD policy says they're going to do that. And he said, no, he said, that's illegal. He really upset a bunch of people, but mm-hmm. you know what? He stood firm, stood strong. And so I was really, really impressed with that guy. And I was sad that not a million churches, that there wasn't a million churches that came by and said, you know, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to support you because it, it's a bad policy. Right. And, and 
but really you guys are my heroes. I mean, you guys taking what's available to you and turn it into leadership, turn it into men's fellowship opportunities. Man, you guys are you guys are stroking and, and I really mean that with all sincerity. Wow, thank you, man. Really yeah, honored you. on that. Yeah, appreciate that. No one ever picked us dial up. No, that's a first. Yeah. <laughs> definitely a first. And we're the ones that sit here like we're we're humbled by yes. the guests that we have and feel inadequate most weeks, uh, if not all weeks. So yeah, so so thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if, I, if I forget to say it, I'll say it now. Thanks for what you're doing. I mean, yeah. you truly are a high impact man, and uh, and and I, I love it that you know there's no retirement in the Bible. He's going to retire from the yeah. job he's doing, but he's going to he didn't retire from working for the Lord. He's got the farm going on, man. And he's That's reaching right. men's lives. So, okay. all right. So this is it, brother. Last me- last question is: This is your chance to speak to the men of America. What is your message for the men of America? Uh, my message to the men for America is. Get in the game. Yeah. I tell you, if you're not actively leading, uh, you know, not everybody's a leader, but if your church does not have a men's ministry, uh, men's ministry, start one. Uh, get some like-minded guys and just and start. I mean, don't and don't quit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because the world is depending on you. There's so many churches that are dying. There are so many. Um, man, you know, everybody's working hard to keep the doors open. But they're ineffective because we don't know how to work together. Mm-hmm. So if there's nothing going on, you start. And don't quit and find other guys of like mind from other churches and work together. You know, every I want to be sitting in a rocking chair someday knowing that there's men that are in the game, being salt and light, doing what God wants them to do uh, with reckless abandonment and with courage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. You get in there. Get in the game. Yeah, get in the game, man. Dude, you 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 haven't been to an F3 workout yet. But this podcast, <laughs> but this podcast and this discussion's got F3 and the message of F3 and the, the mission of F3 written all over it. That's because the so, mission uh, of F3 uh, is providential, man. Yeah, absolutely, brother. So yeah. perfect guest. Yeah, we're hoping uh the our current what we call Nantan. Nantan is a I guess uh Apache for like spiritual leader, overall leader kind of guy. I guess the Nantan of an Apache nation didn't lead every tribe, but kind of set the tone and was a spiritual leader. But anyway, uh, then we have a national Nantan for F3, which is actually, again, across the world. We've got regions all over the place. But um, he has said he thinks F3 can save the world. No, mm-hmm. F3 can't save the world. The Lord can save the world. But... And the b- bottom line is this is a grassroots movement. That's right. Just like guys like Dan Rick out there. Reach. Getting guys uh, in into men's ministry, getting on prayer calls, bring them into the farm, and and try and encourage guys and get into God's word and see what uh, God has for them, and uh, you know, telling guys to get in the game, and uh, you know, for we're we're in the, we're in the same boat, rowing the same way. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> hey, I, I I tell you what, I, and I, I really mean it, man. I really appreciate what you guys do, and what an honor. What an honor for you guys to have me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, and we're all, and God's just getting warmed up with what he wants to do with his men. That's right. Amen. Amen to that, brother. You Amen. All right. Well, um, you know, Dial Up, I think we just spoke to another high impact man. We got ourselves a high impact man doing great things. So uh, keep up the work, brother. Honor to have Thanks. you on here and uh, sharing, sharing what you're doing and sharing the message. Amen. Hope to meet you guys in uh, face-to-face someday. Yeah, and you know what, uh, Dan, if you have anybody else you know that you think uh, would be a good guest on our show to tell their story, 
uh, let us know, man. Reach out to us. Tell us, man, because we're this is what we're here for. We're here to bring guy, guys on to tell their, tell their story. So let us know, man. I sure will do that. All right. You know what? Before you go, we prayed off the air before we started. Uh, our listeners don't know, don't always know that we pray. We've mentioned it before. But since you lead a prayer call, we're into prayer. We all love the Lord. How about I close in prayer for us? That'd be fantastic. Actually, can I pray for you guys? All right. Sure. I, I can't say no to the captain. You outrank me. Go ahead, man. <laughs> I, I tell you, Lord, what, how, how sweet it is when men get together. Lord, how wonderful it is when men of like mind uh, ask you to use us. Lord, the, there's, a, man, there's a dark and desperate and dying world out there that's dying to hear the good news that, that you're a God who can, can focus on today and tomorrow. Lord, there's a lot of guys with rearview mirrors, and man, a mm. bunch of them are nasty. Mine's nasty. But Lord, I, I just thank you for the fact that you paid our debt that we couldn't pay. Mm-hmm. And you just said, like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. And Lord, I just pray that you'll raise up an army of men like these two wonderful, wonderful, high impact guys uh, to lead the men around them in the direction that you want us to go. So this, the fortunes of this country can be reversed. Mm-hmm. You said you would do it, Lord. You said you want to do a new thing in our day. And we wouldn't even believe it if you told us. But we have faith in you because we've seen what you've done in the past. We've seen the way you change men's lives. And we're just asking to be a part of your work mm-hmm. until you take us home. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray great favor over F3. Great favor over this high-impact uh, 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 man ministry. Uh, high-impact man ministry. Lord, I just pray everything that they put their, their hands to, you'll show favor and multiply it. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hey, go expand your territory. All right, man. Thanks, guys. All right. God bless you, Dan. See ya. God bless you guys, too. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.